Welcome to Risk Ready, presented by the Private Risk Management Association. Welcome, everybody. This is Spencer Holden, the host of Insurance Thought Leaders podcast of Private Risk Management Association production. If you're not part of our movement, please join us. What a great show we have today. We welcome David Levins, a graduate of Dartmouth College. David serves as president of Anwin's Access, a leading MGA and wholesale platform specializing in small business and personal lines. They have over $2.3 billion in premium. Prior to joining Anwin's in 2016, David spent 11 years investing in the insurance and healthcare verticals at Ridgemont Equity Partners, a middle market private equity firm with more than $4 billion of assets under management. We invited David today because the excess and surplus line market uh, is booming. And as a broker, we know that we use the excess and surplus line market more than we ever have. And very often, uh, we don't know how to navigate that system. And so David's here to unlock the mystery of ENS. And we're so excited to have you, David. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Spencer. Happy to be here. So I just want to talk about, we've had several thought leaders on the last month, and the big word has been capacity. And with the standard markets failing to bring coverage solutions to us as they have historically, we're turning to wholesale and specialty providers. And that's where Amwens comes into the solution. Can you handle as, as an ENS marketplace can can we handle the onslaught of inquiries that brokers are bringing to you? Is the capacity there, or is that starting to dry up on on your end as well? Oof, that's a um, that's a big big question. Um, you know, I'd say we're spending an immense amount of time right now at Amwins talking about property cap capacity. It's a real issue, and it's prairie one, two, and three for us. Um, it's particularly acute in the high value homeowner space, as you can find. Wealthy people, most most everywhere, but they tend to, to overwhelmingly cluster in a few places that are heavily exposed to natural catastrophes. So when you talk about insuring high value homes, there's very little diversification. There's not a ton of non cap property. There's not that much liability. Just very concentrated property cap. And so it's one of the areas in insurance that's most challenged right now as a result of the property cap capacity shortage. So the short answer to your question is. Unfortunately, not right now, but hopefully ENS will be a solution uh, as some semblance of capacity comes back to the market. The longer answer, and the best way that I've heard a longer answer is using the three I's. So the first I is Ian, you know, Ian, which was a significant $40 billion plus event on its own, but really more than that, it was the last straw in cementing the realization that the frequency of severity has clearly changed over the past handful of years, as we've now had 10, $10 billion natural casts since 2017. And when you combine elevated CAD activity with the second eye, which is inflation, where we're seeing persistent economic inflation combined with social inflation that hasn't really dissipated, the implication is pretty clear that loss costs have moved higher over the past several years. And insurance companies haven't been able to achieve an adequate return on their capital now in property cap for the past six plus years. And six years isn't a long period of time when you talk about weather. It's not a statistically significant sample size. It could just be a blip 
but the elevated activity fits in with the narrative of climate change, right? Which is very real in my opinion, but works over a much longer period of time. Um, and then you have the modelness we've experienced in the, in the events since 2016. And in combination, this causes a lack of faith in the models and uncertainty around what the true property cat loss costs are. And when you don't know, as an industry, when you don't know your cost of goods sold, how can you price the product? So a frequent refrain that I hear from insurers right now is that they need to be able to make an underwriting profit this year, assuming the average loss experience of the past six years persists. And to do that, they need more rate. Getting substantial rate quickly is clearly challenging to do in the admitted market, driving carriers to want to, to put business to work on the ENS side. So that leads to some hope that we can solve problems using the ENS market eventually. But, and that takes us to the third eye, soaring interest rates. So the massive increase in interest rates has caused a substantial decline in shareholders' equity uh, at, at, for, for insurance companies. So we're seeing this play out with the banking crisis right now. It's very topical. So the failures of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, the panic sale of Credit Suisse, and then I guess specifically for our purposes and in insurance, the decrease in book value shrinks the quantum of exposure that insurers and reinsurers can absorb limiting capacity. And this is compounded for international insurance companies where the dollar has appreciated against most major currencies. Additionally, as part of this, we have the unwinding of the zero interest rate environment where money was effectively free. And so investors had to search for yield and some of that search led to dollars flowing into the property cat space through ILS or insurance-linked security vehicles. But now when the risk-free rate is 5%, it makes the historical performance of the property cat asset class look that much worse, and we're seeing a withdrawal of ILS capacity. So when you put it all together, we have an industry that's produced inadequate returns, while at the same time combined with significant volatility. So rates are going up. And when and typically when this has happened, and this certainly happened the last time we saw this type of hard market post KRW, capital comes in reasonably quickly, rates eventually come down and the cycle starts anew. But because of everything I just went through, we're in a show me the money phase. So the industry needs to make money for at least one year, if not two years, to attract capacity. And this affects both the admitted and the ENS markets in the same way. And so there, there just isn't enough capacity. And the issue, unfortunately, is going to get worse on the ENS side over the coming couple of months before it gets better, with many of the 2023 Lloyds binders set to renew April 1st or thereabouts with substantial losses of capacity. So that, that's, my, that's my long answer. Maybe, maybe not, not necessarily a hopeful one, but, uh, but I think it's the reality here uh, over the next year or so. Uh, no, I think it was a great answer. And I know uh, Diane Delaney from Parame is on the line with us. And Diane, I think we should put a, a warning app before this one that if you're in a good mood, do not proceed any further with this podcast. And we'll make sure um, that goes up in the post. <laughs> <laughs> so the three I's, in inflation interest rates, and the fourth I, incredibly high premiums. Yes. Um, so in my experience in the last 24 months, 36 months, as, as people have been utilizing the ENS markets more than they have in the past, it's just response time has, has become difficult. And what I picture 
is this poor underwriter sitting there with about 4,000 files on their desk because just so many people trying to utilize it and probably difficulty hiring enough underwriters and, and a lot of work going into trying to find the market. So, you know, what is it, what does it look like on the other side of the desk? And as a broker, how do I get the attention of an underwriter to get my file on the top of the pile? Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely true, uh, Spencer. Most, you know, most if not all of our folks have never seen a market like this, and they're seeing all the same things uh, that retailers are: uh, massive increase in volume of submissions with a very, very low buying rate, the need to shop most or all of their renewal book, shrinking capacity, and so shrinking policy count, albeit at higher rates. And so put it all together, and they're working harder than ever just to try to stay flat. And I suspect it might surprise a lot of folks listening to this that our production underwriters are commission based. So we're we're incentivized just like you to find solutions for our clients and our underwriters have wide discretion in how they operate so they can choose who and what to prioritize and who and what to deprioritize. So there is absolutely a variability uh, in in the experience. But this structure should create uh, an entrepreneurial approach to incentivizing finding solutions for you. So our folks definitely don't work nine to five, just like you, they're overworked as this hard market feels like it's gone on forever and things are getting harder, not easier. Uh, so, But I do have a few suggestions. So the first would be provide complete submissions with all information and inspections upfront. Why is it being submitted for ENS? Give us the story. What is the target premium and inspiring and expiring terms? Now, high net worth underwriting is much, much different than typical lower middle market uh, homeowner underwriting. We need to underwrite the insured. Who are they? What do they do? What other properties do they own? We need the backstory and the details. Second would be bind ratios matter. So the agents that are binding and writing with us get moved to the top of the pile versus those, those agents that are spinning our wheels and not binding. And lastly, yeah, underwriters are people, right? So being nice to your underwriter matters. Our folks can feel like they're treated as as punching bags due to frustrations with the market. And you'd be surprised how far uh, being nice can go. I love that. And I, and I think the poor bind rate was something that struck me. I mean, do you have any stats around that or could you just elaborate more on poor bind rate comment? Yeah, Um Pre-2019, bind rate for a piece of new business was probably in the 25 to 30% range. Um, and today, depending on where you are in the country, 20% could be good if you're in California or if you're in Southern Florida, the bind rate could be single digits. Wow. A lot of, a lot of wasted time. So is it like... Our side, where you put all the information in this quota and it pops back a number and it takes you about three seconds to give us a quote. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like? What What do you do when we give you the application? What is What does the underwriter do with it? Uh, what's involved with trying to get a quote to us? Yeah, well, you know, I think um, uh, you know. First of all, I do think we probably need to do a better job of educating educating you all, explaining what like what we just went through. Um, to our retail partners, the why behind the challenges um, that we're facing to help you understand and explain to your clients. I think um, what's involved. I mean, we we have a number of 
binding authority markets that we can go to. Um, and, and although that number of binding authority markets is much less than it was uh, you know, three years ago. Um, and, and so um, uh, when, and, and for specifically for high net worth homeowners, fewer and fewer of the markets are pure, pure binding authority, which means that we need to leverage brokerage solutions. So we need to create a submission to go to an insurance company to submit the risk for their approval. And, and we need to craft that story to those markets. And so if, if our retail partners can help us create that story that saves a lot of time um, uh, in terms of the back and forth with the market, because they're going to ask all of those questions. Uh, we need we need thoughtful answers to them. And ideally, we provide those answers before before really the market even comes back and asks them. You know, one of the things that frustrates me about the ENS marketplace is we're just so used to everything being streamlined and efficient in the standard market when it comes to you know, billing options and policy delivery. And then the claims handling is different from carrier to carrier. And we don't really have any leverage over that experience like we do with our standard markets. It, do we see any sort of efficiencies being talked about or developed that five years from now, the ENS market might be as easy to navigate on the on the customer experience side as the standard markets are today? I, I really I couldn't agree more with you, Spencer, about the difference in experience between the admitted side and the ENS world. I think the, the customer experience experience is absolutely worse in the non-admitted space, and I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating for you. Heck, it's it frustrates the heck out of out of me as well. Um, but there there are reasons for why the differences exist. In the admitted world, you go directly to a carrier, and a carrier can create a seamless solution because they own the whole process, right? Underwriting, billing, claims handling. Um, some niche MGUs on the wholesale side can do the same as they tend to work with one carrier or select few carriers. You know, we we are not a carrier. We work with many, many carrier partners. And so getting to congruence across carriers is tough. As an example, uh, paying premiums via installments is typical in the admitted world. Uh, but in the ENS world, carriers don't bill direct. They expect, expect us to collect the premium. And, and they want from us 100% of that premium relatively upfront. And so to accept installments, we need to either go to each market separately and get them to agree to that, or else we need to take the negative float where we pay the carrier well before we get payment from the insured or the agent. Another issue is that we don't necessarily want the responsibility of storing any credit card or bank account information, and so need a third-party vendor in that space. There's minimum earned premium issues to be mindful of. Put it all together and suffice it to say that there's just a lot of complexity to creating an enhanced customer experience in the ENS world. And at Amwins, we're not immune to these complexities. Uh, we are working towards more streamlined payment options with the recent introduction of ePay, where the agent can pay gross or net using credit cards or e-check. And we're working on a uh, scalable uh, insured billing solution to be launched later this year or early next year. So I think we're making steps in the right direction, but consistency is hard due to the utilization of different markets, whether they be admitted, binding authority ENS, brokerage ENS markets, each, each requires a different way of tackling the problem. It, it makes complete sense. Now you've mentioned a couple of times about the high net worth marketplace being a little unique 
And I, I think that is true too when trying to put together a contract, an ENS contract, because the the contractual needs of a high net worth client are different than middle market. And I get so scared about errors and emissions when it comes to excess and surplus lines, because I know that in the standard market, one, there's a lot of standardization. I know that those contracts like the back of my hand, um, ISO has done a lot of that uh, standardization. I know the insurance department has combed over the contracts and has certainly brought comment when they thought something was out of line and wasn't fair for the consumer. And the ENS market, there's a lot of flexibility. And I assume if you get an underwriter that doesn't truly understand the high net worth market, they might leave an endorsement off that they should have put on. So I get I get scared um, about the contractual aspect of it. Can, can you comment on that? Or what should we be looking for as brokers to make sure is included? Or you may say, actually, don't. I mean, there is a lot of standardization more than you think there is, but love your comments. No, no, you're absolutely right. I think, um, and because of this non-standardization of forms and coverage in the ENS world that you referenced, especially in the high net worth space, I think coverage and risk mitigation are paramount versus price. Um, and as a result, my recommendation would be to find a wholesale high net worth expert or two. Um, not all, not all personalized underwriters are created equal. Not all of them are high net worth experts. So find find one or two, lean on their expertise, develop a true partnership, a true relationship. Going to seven wholesalers on a quote may lead you to come back to your client with the lowest price. But as, as we mentioned earlier, the service will likely be worse um, because you're not going to have that relationship with the folks that you're going to. You're going to get less engaged underwriters, perhaps with slower responses and less consultation and truly trying to mitigate the risk for you and for your clients, leaving you with more responsibility to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Well, I think we've accomplished what we wanted to, and I've, I've learned a lot um, today, and I think it's been fascinating. You've been in the business a long time. You have a, an amazing vantage point from where you sit to see what it looks like today, where, where it's come from. And I think you have some ideas about the future. So, I'm going to ask you to crystal ball it. Uh, what are we in for in the next 12, 24, 36 months? What should we be expecting from the ENS marketplace from a broker perspective? Yeah, my, my hope is that we see the availability of capacity start to come back to the market in Q4 uh, of this year or Q1 of next year. Um, to do that, we need a clean-ish year of, of underwriting results. Um, but I, I truthfully feel that that um, the rates that we're writing at today should produce profitable results for our, our carrier partners. Um, uh, and that um, all the pieces are in place for a, a softening of the current conditions. Um, I'll caveat my response with the fact that I've said the hard market will wane next year, every year now since 2019. So it tells you, uh, tells you what I know. Um, you get what you pay for, uh, but but I, th I think the natural state of the market is soft, or at least much softer than what we have have right now. These these are unique times. Um, I feel uh, and are bound to end at some point, uh, hopefully sooner sooner than later. Uh, um, 
uh, you know, for 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 the sake of everyone listening in terms of how hard they're working for what they're able to accomplish for their clients. David, thank you. I can't thank you enough. I am uh, going to go buy flowers for my ENS underwriter and start brown nosing the heck out of her. Um, so that was some good advice. Uh, I appreciate all of your insight. I appreciate all that Amwins is doing to and, and firms like yours to help help us on the front line because it it is tough. It's tough on all of us. So appreciate um, everything you've done today. Thanks, Spencer. It was my pleasure. Thank you for joining us today for the Risk Ready Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe, download, and review our podcast. Until the next time, stay risk ready.